Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, special Champions League edition. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you? I'm all right. I think I've drank too much tea. Too much tea. Mm, I've had a bit as well, actually. So but British. British, British, very British. What tea did you have? Oh, you had a Kreuter tea. The Kreuter tea, and yeah. German herbal, herbal tea. The herbal. I had a ginger and... Uh, what did you have? Ginger and lemon tea. Proceeded by a very nice pizza from around the corner. It was, yeah, it was... Weren't, weren't bad. The Germans say, Nick Schlecht. No doubt. It's, it's a bit of German fuel, so cultural. There you go. Let's get hi, into everyone. It. Let's get, hi, everyone. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> All right, before we get going, some admin. T-shirts. If you listen to this on Thursday, I think you'll probably have two full days to buy the T-shirts. I think they go off sale midnight Saturday slash Sunday, whatever that midnight is. Is that midnight Sunday or midnight Saturday? Midnight mm. Sunday? Anyway, also, we've got some stuff on the site this week. We had two pieces. It was Bobby Robson's birthday and Roberto Baggio's birthday on Tuesday. That's so you awesome. did a R- Roberto Baggio piece, which is brilliant. And you did a Bobby Robson piece, which was absolutely, I think... Check us out. One of the best pieces you've... I think it's my favourite piece of yours. Those haven't read it. It's about Ryan's relationship with Bobby Robson and with his grandfather, which is really lovely. Also, coming up on Friday morning, you're doing the FOTMOB preview this week. That's right, I am. For those who haven't listened to the last show, we've got this little partnership going with FOTMOB. Yep. Uh, Every Friday we do a preview piece. Uh, I did last week's, you're doing this week's. We picked five games to follow, so five to follow following through the FOTMOB app on the weekend and we'll talk about them on, on Monday. Go and download the FOTMOB app and keep an eye out for the piece on Friday and it'll have links to the games that you can follow them if you can't catch them. So, Champions League. Let's get into it. It was good, wasn't it? We have to start with Dortmund. I think we have to. Yes. Dortmund PSG. Yes. This game was billed as one with two of the best attacks in Europe, but not necessarily the best defences. And I thought, I'll confess, that PSG would have too much firepower. But Dortmund came through. 2-1. Could have been a lot more. Should have been. Should have been, yes. They may slightly regret not getting a third late on. Yeah, I thought Dortmund contained PSG really, really well, especially in the first half. I thought the central midfield axis of Axel Witzel and Emery Chan was outstanding. The central axis of Axel and... Axel of Axel of Axel. The Axel of Evil. There's a great moment early on in the first half when you saw the tone of the game where Verratti took possession and was trying to turn away from... Witzel sort of like pillow style mm. and he tried two or three fakes you know the kind of the, the outside of the right foot fakes and none of them worked yeah and Witzel was anticipating and chasing him down really well and I saw that and thought yeah this is going to be it was almost like watching Witzel close down Verratti was like watching peak Suarez or I suppose Firmino pressing the centre-back and just seeing that that set the tone I think and, you know, Chan and Witzel, I mean, Chan's been there for five minutes, but he looked really impressive. Yeah, and they announced just before the game that he'd signed, they'd activated the transfer on a permanent basis, which, I mean, considering he's only played a few games at Dortmund, that's a big statement. And it's a German international to be back in Dortmund and to have you know, Joachim Löw in the crowd and seeing what he can do on a stage like that, that's just great for him. He has been playing pretty well. I mean, he's still yeah. getting up to full sharpness, but he... he him and Witzel, they add like a real bit of power. They're big dudes. Well, Idrissa Gay was mean? blown away. And it, it's not often you see that. Yeah, I mean, if you think against Leipzig, Dortmund had Julian Brandt and Julian Weigel playing in midfield. And now they're playing in the Champions League with Emre Chan and Axel Witzel, those, those two in midfield. That's already a very, very different looking Dortmund midfield. And We said on the podcast before that, yes, Dortmund have had defensive issues this season, but I think a lot of that comes from how open they can be yes. in midfield especially since Thomas Delaney's been injured, but also he's not the most mobile no, midfielders. Right. Whereas this now, this blend is so great because you've got that defensive two in front of the back three mm. 
and it liberates players like Zagadou to play out from the back, who look great. I mean, Zagadou looked as good as he's looked for me for a long time. Mm. And Zagadou's such a gifted player, but it's just all the elements coming together at one time. And I actually said on Twitter, I think that players like Rafael Varane have spoiled us because, you know, Varane was so accomplished straight out the gate. Whereas Zagadou has the more normal trajectory of a brilliant young defender where they have their kind of ebb and flow, but ultimately they find their feet. And he really did that the other day. And not a moment too soon, frankly, because a couple of those PSG forwards look pretty dangerous. And one thing I want to add as well, a lot of people sort of criticised um, PSG frontline and Bappe and Di Maria in particular, but I think that the testament to the quality of the midfield play was such that they didn't get really good quality of ball, the PSG forwards. Mm. Um, I actually think the one player that was genuinely poor uh, in the front sort of the forwards was actually Neymar, because Neymar was someone who was quite ponderous in possession. Yeah, he's not been playing though, has he? Because he had a cracked rib. Yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't. I suppose the reason I'm critical of him, no I'm not sure what the injury was, but the reason I'm just quite slightly critical of him is he doesn't move the ball on at that speed. And I know it may be a fitness and sharpness thing, but I'm not saying that Cardi's a better player. Of course he's not. I mean, he's a quarter of the player Neymar is. But the configuration of Di Maria, Mbappe, Icardi, because they're more direct and because perhaps Icardi's a more limited player, there was a greater speed in the transition. And I just think, you know, the name of last season, to be fair to him, when they were sort of carving up Liverpool in the group stages, that's the level he can be at. And I, I don't know if he'll get back to that level in time for the rest of the knockout stages. That's just my one concern. Yeah, maybe. I think the thing that struck me was that how occasionally Mbappe and Neymar seem to be kind of playing their own game a little bit. Mm. And no matter how many millions you've spent, talent isn't enough to get you through these stages now absolutely you know a forward line of Neymar Mbappe and Di Maria isn't going to be enough a lot on its own you no. have to have those players playing within a system and I yeah. think you will talk about it in a little bit but you saw that with uh, the Spurs Leipzig game Leipzig had a few injuries as well especially at the back but they still are so drilled within the Nagelsmann system that it kind of doesn't it doesn't obviously it matters but it doesn't really matter and I think you could see something there were a couple of times where Thomas Tuchel seem to be really pissed off with Neymar mm. because and he I think there was one time with Mbappe as well because you could see that it was almost like they were kind of fucking around at one point and they kind of didn't really turn it like turn it on until Dortmund actually scored the first goal well I hate to be mean this is this is the problem with league uh and the kind of runaway success they've had there they're just not getting the regular test. They're not battle-hardened. You can't rainbow flick over someone in the Champions League knockout stages. No, and there were certain, yeah, there, there, there were certain <laughs> moments you're thinking, oh, you're still in league A mode because you're trying things that don't work at this level. Yeah. When you watch Jadon Sancho walking into midfield, not making people... I mean, Jadon Sancho, it's remarkable. If you look at the play, the fact that he started out wide, but actually so much of his best work through the middle of the field, mm. he walked through that. This disrespectful. Yeah. Disrespectful. I mean, I, I, I just think the the one negative from Dortmund's side. We'll get on to the massive positive in a minute because we haven't talked about him yet. Have we mentioned his name yet? Jadon Sancho? No. Gio Reyna? No. Sorry, just doing that thing. Doing that thing. Um, yeah, the the real... I think the thing that Dortmund will be kicking themselves is that they didn't score more goals. Right. Because they really could have been 3-0 up at half-time. I think. Obviously, I'm, I haven't checked the XG for the first half, so yeah. <laughs> don't come at me, stats yeah. people. But it felt like they they could have at least had a couple. But to be fair, the resilience for them to come straight back after Neymar's equaliser was really impressive. Now, that was impressive. Yeah. The fact that it was Gio Reyna, the fact that he made a substitution, yeah. Lucien Favre, yeah. that was that ambitious at a point of a game like that to yeah. bring on a 17-year-old in the form of Gio Reyna, 
who ended up assisting the superb winner by Holland, who is just... And I didn't think Torgan Hazard actually had a good game. No, not really, no. No. Started reasonably well, but then faded. I had a bit of a roundup from my dad. Do you want, do you want a dad update? Yeah, go for it. Go about for it. Dortmund. He texted me this morning, and you'll find out why. He said, uh, watch the Dortmund game. What talent they have. Oh. Sancho looks so composed and confident on the ball. Holland doesn't always look interested, then suddenly bursts into life. And what a second goal. I mean, that's real talk. And then he said, what a talent that Rainer is going to be. And only 17. Sorry, didn't answer last night. Phone was charging in the other room and I watched the game on my iPad. I love how they add that detail. It's literary. <laughs> dad details. Literary trees, dad details. Um, so should we talk about Holland? Yes. People ask if he's the real deal. I said this before. Is he really that good? No, he's better. He is. He's just better. He's now scored a third of the amount of Champions League knockout goals that Zlatan Ibrahimovic has, and he's played one game. And, I mean, you're playing PSG. You're playing PSG. You're basically raiding a bank. You're robbing a bank that's guarded by Thiago Silva. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, it's a big thing. And you've got Kellen Avis in goal, one of the best shot stoppers. Kellen Avis, basically, yeah, I mean, he's a, a Costa Rican shaker and like, just could stop anything from 30 yards out. You'd back Kellen Avis to get a hand to it. And the strike... I mean, it was on its way out before Navas had almost hit the ground. This is unbelievable, this strike. And he had a clear view of it and was nowhere near it and had no right to be anywhere near it. It was like one of those forehand winners where the other guy just doesn't move. At the end of a long rally, like Djokovic just hits the forehand winner, the guy just stands there, watches it go past. It was like that. The noise of the net oh, my goodness. was See, very pleasing. Holland is a precision bomber and he scores from close range. He scores from far out. He links up like a winger. There are criticisms of his touch and they're overstated. But I think that will, that will come. Some of that's enthusiasm. There was one where he gets a through ball and he's bounding up this thing. He's playing with abandon. And I think the challenge for him is going to be once teams start putting him in a bear trap, because at the moment they're slightly disrespecting him, right? Yeah. They are. They're, they're, not, they're not picking up early. I'm not seeing the tactical fouls early on. I'm not seeing, you know, when he's gathering a run, I'm not seeing the things that irritate him by knocking him off balance early on. I think they're giving him too much space because it's slightly disrespectful because they haven't quite worked out just how good he is. I think Jadon Sancho is the same. I don't think he's being fully respected because if you look at him attacking the fullback and Verratti, there's a couple of occasions where he beats Verratti early on and cuts back in the second half to wait for everyone else to arrive. Now, the average winger, which he's not, absolutely not, goes past Verratti because it's the banter of beating a player that good, whips it to the far post, but he was like, no, the options aren't there. And that's what makes him so dangerous. Mm. And when players start respecting that, the fact that he's not going to kill the byline, they'll start doubling him. And I think the challenge for Sancho and Holland and Reina to an extent as well is when people go like, okay, we, we see you coming now. Yeah, but also I don't think that teams at this stage are, they're not, for example, just people who don't watch the Bundesliga. They're and not. Go, they're How not, good is Jadon Sancho? Not, this is like Thomas Tuchel. Do you know not, what I mean? No, but there's a, yeah, but and the not, players know that. The, I think you, you the know, players like, not responding to Tuchel's instructions. Aren't yeah, they? but also I think players at this level they know about these these players and they know how dangerous they are. That we've said it before. Like players know how great other players are. The example we always use is when people say, "Who's the best player in training?" You know, and if all the players say the same player even if it's someone that we don't really think of, everyone goes, ah, okay. I, 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 I would slightly, I think they still surprise people. Does that make sense? I still, I think that Holland's, Holland's final goal was amazing, but I'm not yet seeing 
him handled in a cynical way. To be honest, I just think Holland in a straight a straight up matchup against that PSG backline. I just brutal. I just think it, it's a he's it's a nightmare matchup for him because he's absolutely hench. Yeah, he's super powerful. He's absolutely rapid. That there was that um, bit in the first half where he covered pretty much the whole length of the pitch, it's like sixty sec- six six and a half seconds. Yeah, like incredible. Yeah, and someone who is still only nineteen years old. It's it's just I mean, you know, he a problem. He is, he is. And I've always said this, the truly great players, when they're young, their potential, their, their peak is nowhere in sight. Mm. You look at Raheem Sterling now, his peak is visible because he's just gone to such a level. And Mbappe was like that a couple of years ago. Sancho's like that now. And, and Haaland's peak, again, is there's no sense of just how good he could get because, I mean, Dortmund are a great team, so no disrespect there even. But when they build a team around him, and that mm. includes Dortmund and wherever he might go in two, three years. There's just no limit. I mean, that's a goal a game. You could argue, actually, that's a, if he stays healthy, he's almost a goal a game career player. Yeah. In the style of, you know, the ones Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, he could be a goal a, season, a, goal a game player. And we had a question from Kunle Ajayo about Dortmund. He mm. said, how did Dortmund manage to look like a solid team capable of resolve on Tuesday? And does this obviously mean they'll let us down and blow it in Paris? I think they'll score in Paris. I think they will. The three four three has given them so much comfort at the back. I think it plays to all their strengths. They're all very good ball playing defenders, and it gives the comfort for the front three of not having to track so much because the fullbacks push so high up. I think they'll score in Paris, and I think they'll actually be dangerous for most of the rest of the season. I don't see why they can't be. I mean, look how they dismissed Eintracht. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I really do think that the form of, of Dan Axel Zagadou and the addition of Emre Chan in that midfield has. Huge. And well, if you think that they've had Zagadou coming back to A, fitness and B, some kind of form yeah. just before Christmas, I thought he was playing quite well and he's played quite well since the winter break, apart from the odd moment here or there. Yeah. You have Emre Chan who, you know, scored that absolute wonder goal in Leverkusen, but that was his first league start since he signed and he didn't look anywhere near sharp enough. He's getting there now. And then you have Haaland as the focal point up front. Those are big dudes. And it was the missing piece, Haaland, in so many ways in, in the attack. No, if you think you've replaced someone who, you know, a combination of either playing Marco Royce there or Paco Alcacer when he was fit, who are quite slight. Love Alcacer, but he wasn't the fixed point. You know, I love Alcacer. Like, Haaland can really genuinely bully two big centre-backs. Do you know who reminds me of, actually? Adebayor. Yeah. Adebayor's first season at Arsenal when he went up against Nesta, the nil-nil at the Emirates. But Adebayor just dominated him on the ground and through the air. And I remember thinking, my God, if, Ad- if Adebayor stays on target, he could be the dominant pure nine of his generation. Mm. You know, in terms of just seeing that first season, and that's what Holden reminds me of to an extent. Just someone that can run the show by himself. Um, one more question on Dortmund before we move on. Yeah. From Ola Fizeo. He said, making my pod question comeback with the most poignant query but one that really needs addressing all in caps this is what exactly is Haaland should I be afraid you should be afraid everyone you know, needs to be afraid you know he is he's an element in the periodic table Ooh, he's, yikes. he's actually an element he's like tungsten or something there's like look at the new periodic table you'll find they've added Haaland to it mm. he's an element shall we move on to another game or do you want to take a break let's move on another game another game, another I'm, game. Feel, I'm feeling it I'm feeling what, it what do you want to do Liverpool Atleti yeah this is on really the same a, night okay I don't want to do, I feel bad putting a spoiler in if you haven't seen the game or the highlights, this is a really unpredictable result. I think, really un- I think by the time people hear this on Thursday, they might have seen Tuesday night's Champions League game. For the Musa. two people who haven't seen it, Liverpool go to Atleti. Spoiler alert, Bruce Willis Early- is actually... <laughs> 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 They're already dead. 
Um, early goal by Atleti. I mean, it just, it was, you know what I love about this game? The game and the result could have been designed by an algorithm any time in the last 10 years. This Atleti side are, they're bending my brain a little bit. Because this is probably the worst Atleti side under Simeone since first or second season. They buy the most spectacular attacking talent, young attack in the world, possibly, mm. in the form of Joao Felix. Who got injured. He got injured, yes. And then, no, but if someone said to you at the start of the season, oh, Atleti will play, will buy Joao Felix and will end up being peak Atleti. <laughs> but they're not, they're not peak Atleti, though. They are. They are, but this is what, this is what I was going to say. I was like, it's really bizarre that how an athletic side who has done so poorly in La Liga this season, right. it's like they flicked a switch for but Champions that, League knockout. And that's why it's peak. That's what I'm telling you. That's what it is. It's the, this is what I'm saying. I know what you mean. They're, they're the worst. Yes, they are. But this performance. Oh, was, this performance. Yeah, was, was oh my goodness. Athletic. I mean, what am I not? Early goal from Sanogues, check. Because it had to be him. Or actually, early athletic goal, check. Sanogues, check. Half-time substitution of creative player for more defensive player. Check. Simeone hyping the crowd at one point. Check. Opposition, no shot on target. Check. Clean sheet. Check. I mean, it's just, it's everything you want. It's the content I needed and wanted. Do you think Simeone slept? Yes. So this will go up Thursday. I don't think he slept yet. I think Simeone sleeps. He's like Michael Keaton, where he just sits in the dark and stares. I don't think he closes his eyes when he sleeps. Does he just take his black tie off? Eternal, fo- probably not. Eternal focus. Right. So there was a lot of chat, let's say, after the game from the Liverpool side. I don't think this was very smart. It was not smart at all. Because and I'm a bit surprised at Klopp, actually. I'm, I think he... I mean, Klopp really didn't say that much. He kind of said a little bit and then he said, you know, they've got to come to Anfield. This is Anfield kind of thing. Do you know, he said that, I think, because this is the result they feared most. It's the result that everyone in Europe knew was possible. Right. Yeah, when I mean, they if you don't, the, yeah, if you don't get an away goal in Atleti, I mean, which, what, only one, two sides have in 12 goals, I think, now? The reason I think it was so stung is because this was exactly the performance they feared. Like, Klopp would have discussed, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And there's a great thing by uh, David Cartledge, uh, at David Yaka on Twitter. He broke down so beautifully what Atleti did, the targeting of Mane. Mm. the failure of um, Liverpool to get a shot on target because they couldn't shoot in central areas. Thomas Partey, just relentless, physically, technically, was just brutal. I mean, it's, this is why it's so painful for them. It's frustration because they're a tactical team, they're a smart Liverpool, and they got sucker punched. They got hit exactly in all the places they said they wouldn't get hit. And for 90 minutes to be outcoached like that, that's why they're so upset because it's humiliating. But it, I, I mean, is it out? Is it being out coached, or is it just? I it mean, is, it is. It is though. It's what they do. Does it not being funny? But like Liverpool have found a solution for every single team they played this year. They've unpicked everybody. Like look at Leicester. Leicester, they were so patient. Leicester at that point was surging. Liverpool get a one nil, and then the last 15, 20 minutes they just open up mm. and they killed them. They've unpicked everybody, and at Letty they came here and they were like they weren't complacent. They were like. Atleti, they do what they do, but this year they're not quite themselves. And they were, because actually it turned out all Atleti were missing was that little extra chip on the shoulder. And if you give that to them... Well, I think they've got it now. Yeah. I think because of the stuff that came out after the game and the comments from the Liverpool side, like Van Dijk was really super dismissive of them and saying it was something like Spanish football or typical Spanish football, which I found a bit of a weird comment. I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember exactly what he said. 
But the best thing Liverpool could have done was just not really said anything. Right. Because you know that Simeone is going to use that stuff now. Oh my goodness. And, he, he and it's like he you should. said, like, Atleti with a chip on their shoulder is the worst Atleti you want to play. This was the worst matchup for Liverpool in this round. Yeah, we said it when it was drawn. We said, yeah. And I, I said this on Twitter as well. What I love about this draw is that every single team has received the worst possible draw for them. The only one maybe, I mean, Atlanta obviously did what they did, but even then Atlanta had some really good results. Valencia had some really good results this year. You know, they drew with Atleti, scored two against them in the league. Um, they drew with Madrid. Beat Barca. They beat home. Barca. So these were all tough ties, but Klopp, when he got Atleti, must have thought at some level. Yeah, I don't think he liked that at all. God, no. Who, who wants that problem? No one wants that problem. Yeah, no one wants to play Atleti in the knockout stages. Especially not... With, oh. Unless you're Real Madrid. Nobody wants... Yes. <laughs> but nobody else wants any parts of that. No. Um, should we take a break? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're back from the break and we're going to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We are. Well, we're not. We're here still. We're here. Spurs nil. Yeah. Rasenball, Sport, Leipzig, Eins. Timo Werner with a penalty after 58, I think, just before the hour. And a margin of victory that was, to coin the cliche, far broader than the scoreline suggests. Just the way that Leipzig shift the ball about, the way they've been coached, Leipzig playing sort of a 3-4-3, three, three, uh, which seems to be the, the fashion at the moment. And Conte brought it back, didn't he? Yeah, the he did. The culture whisperer himself. Oh, the culture whisperer, yeah. <laughs> Just the combinations of play that Leipzig put together. That, they could have been a couple up in the first couple of minutes, right? The front three is just great because you've got Schick, who has, I don't think he's scored in Europe yet, Schick. But Schick is the kind of point of focus around which Werner can move and Nkunku too. And Nkunku's been great, I think, this year. Not just the goals that he's brought, but the mobility. And there was a really nice, actually, sort of duel, if you get to watch the highlights or even more of the game. The duel between Davinson and Sanchez, who I thought was really quite good, one of Spurs' better players, and Werner was really something to watch. And if he'd been poorer, and if Loris had been poorer, I think that could have been 2-3-0. Easy. I mean, it should have been 2-3-0, actually. And that's one thing Leipzig might slightly regret, but at the same time, I think they'll score back at their place. Yes, I think they will as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting this Leipzig side um, because you saw the players that they brought on in the second half where they brought on Paulson and they brought on Forsberg. Those two were, last season, they were Essential. pretty much guaranteed nailed on starters. Right. And the addition of Patrick Schick, which I, I can't imagine they're not going to like trigger the option to buy at the end of the season because um, he's on loan from Roma. The addition of Nkuku has just given them this other level going forward because they were really pretty solid defensively last season. I think they had one of the best Bundesliga defensive records last season. I think it was possibly the best. 20, yeah. 20 conceded. But yeah. they just couldn't score, like you said. And right. like this season, I think that they had a bit of a wobble before the winter break and since. They lost those two games to Eintracht, one in the league, one in the Pokal. Like they weren't as devastating as they had been in the first half of the season at points under, under Nagelsmann. But I saw, you know, the Mourinho after the game was kind of talking about how the players they had missing and stuff like that, which is understandable. You lose Harry Kane, you lose Son. And who else did Spurs have out? And a couple of in defence, right? Yeah. Upper Meccano was out for Leipzig and Ethan Ampadu was playing centre-back. Yeah. And he's on loan and he's, what, 19? You look pretty useful, actually. And he looked good. He yeah, made, yeah. Considering he looked, I think he had cramp at one point in the second half, he had an amazing tackle on, was it Bergwijn? I think, last-ditch tackle. Bergwijn looked sharp as well. 
Yeah. It was actually a kind of a Lacazette type energy. You know how Lacazette basically... Big lacquer energy. Was a strange thing with Arsenal. I was looking at Arsenal's forward line oh, the other day. About Sorry to get into this, but you know Arsenal's got that much attacking talent, but doesn't, it's not knitted together. Yeah. And the Spurs I'm front aware. Line, the Spurs, <laughs> I'm very aware. Yeah, Thanks. the Spurs front line is, is not cohesive. I mean, it's quite new. There's some different parts floating around. Yeah, well, I mean... Um, it's, an, it's, not, it's not configuration they used. To, I'm not knocking them for that because it's yeah. not... The combinations aren't there. Playing Lucas Moura as the furthest player forward is, is not something they've done a lot. Right. So in the context of that, to any Spurs fans listening, I was really impressed by Bergwijn's sort of enterprising nature and the way that he managed to sort of slot stuff together pretty well. I mean, he's an impressive player who can kind of, as they say in basketball, he makes his own shots. Mm. Um, but let's take nothing away from Leipzig and from Nagelsmann because... I think this just showed really the coaching quality we see in the Bundesliga at the top level. We're really spoiled. We've got Marco Rosa, Lucien Favre, um, obviously Nagelsmann, and shout out to Hansi Flick because Flick is keeping all those teams at bay. And I know Bayern have got a great load of resources, but it's some testament to the quality of what he's brought to Bayern. And quite quietly, he's turned that around. They're ahead of that bunch. I mean, that... It's all gone very quiet in Bavaria. That pack, because look... Rose is coaching beautifully. Favre was brave. Come out to Dortmund very quickly. The bravery of Lucien Favre in that game. Yeah, fair play. Like, I, loved, I loved it. But it's all we wanted. It's all you want to see. Just mm. have a bit more guts. Um, but yeah, back to this game. Well, I think, we, had I think, a, we had a question from Jonathan, oh yeah, go, uh, sure, Jonathan sure. Fisher, actually. Well, he's kind of said, he asked what we've, we've kind of answered it. How on earth did Leipzig look so much like a team unit, given that they've started with two new arrivals in Schick and Angelino and a centre-back who's barely played all year? I thought Angelino was actually, he was brilliant. Superb, especially in the first And half. a really shrewd signing for, for yeah. Leipzig. Obviously, everything that goes with RB Leipzig now is caveated by yes. their funding and their rise to the top. And the dubious owner. Well, not the, uh, owner, the owner of the dubious political The owner of the company that funds them, but they're very separate now, apparently, yeah. because, you know, they're not Red Bull, they're RB. Right. But that, um, so all of that, all those yeah. caveats, and we know, we know that. But it's just yeah. like every time you talk about a football match that involves Leipzig, if you're going to have to kind of like caveat everything with this huge kind of thing, it's like people know, people know the bat story. Although it, I, I like that we do it every now and again. It's a, it's worth the momentary pause to be like, oh, you know, this is the thing. But yeah, yeah but we're, we're, I mean, it's like people know, right? Or yeah, not everyone. But anyway, but all that, all, right. all that. I assume people who listen to us know because we talk about it. That's true, actually. But yeah, that okay. So that notwithstanding. Um, but the thing is, on the sporting side of stuff, yeah. their process is unbelievable. It is. It's genuinely unbelievable. And their scouting system is incredible. And they have a real knack of picking players that, I mean, Angelino was okay at City, but they've taken a player who, you know, looked all right under Guardiola and looked genuinely impressive in the knockout stage of a Champions League game against Mourinho. You know, who, I mean, a side obviously that's missing a few pieces from the side that beat Manchester City. But, you know, Mourinho, yes, he's not the same Mourinho that he was, say, peak Inter or the one that returned and won the league at Chelsea. But this is still a guy, he's a wily old fox. And the last thing Mourinho wants in a Champions League knockout game is to let some, some dude who's younger than his goalkeeper yeah. coaching the other team well, you know, make a mockery of him. The passes into feet, that's what killed Mourinho. The speed, and you saw it actually, I mean, you but, saw so it. So just to finish that yeah, point, because it's, I kind of just left it hanging. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying is, is, is that he's going to put together a game plan almost double, triple hard right. to kind of make a point. And he made a point before the game saying, it's a half game. This isn't a game. It's a half game. The whole game is the two legs. And that's a get out from him, but that's also his experience there because 
what was his most peak Mourinho example of the half game, full game thing. Inter against Barca. Inter Barca, yeah. Inter Barca, absolutely. So I think he might have taken 1-0 before the game. Knowing Mourinho, he might well have done. Yeah. But the problem that I see for Spurs is that I can't, well, I mean, I can, depending on who the players get for it. God, I'm such a fence sitter. People must be like, just say what you want to say, man. Say it, goddammit. I would be surprised if Spurs outscored Leipzig in Leipzig. Me too. Personally. Me too. I mean, I, that's I, all I have to say. Thanks. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks for coming <laughs> to my TED Talk, everyone. I went on for ages then. So, so the best will last. So we're playing out this week. No? We are. <laughs> <laughs> let's get quickly to Atalanta because... Yeah, let's, because this is... They're a joy. Actually. They are an absolute joy. They're a beautiful team. If we, we haven't done shout outs really for ages. We started doing it every week and then we just stopped. But I want to shout out Gasparini because the job that he is doing at Atalanta is genuinely, genuinely mind-blowing. Beautiful. Matteo Benetti tweeted this tweet that they've got the same wage bill as Reading, who are 15th in the championship. That's wild. All the goals against Valencia, so they beat Valencia 4-1 at San Siro. All of the goals, do you know what every single goal reminded me of? Pro Evo 4. Oh my God, never played that. Pure Pro Evo 4 finishes. Anyone who played Pro Evo 4, let us know. <laughs> like, because they were all absolutely smashed, but at this kind of trajectory and angle that just, whenever I see goals like that, it's Pro Evo 4. And they were all constructed like high percentage finishes. But actually, their whole performance was like playing on that game at like a little faster game speed because the thing that Atalanta is so good at, I think, is that they swarm. Like Valencia couldn't really cope at all. And this is the thing that, like, have you seen, I mean, what, they scored 60 odd goals in Serie A this season. They're by yeah. far and away. So 62, like, yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, it's like, um, what is it? It's like in, I'm going to, yeah, can I make a Marvel reference? Go for it. We haven't had one for a while, actually. Uh, was it Infinity War? Yes. When all of those people are running at the, the bubble, the safety bubble yeah, in those, Wakanda. They, they send all those like, warriors into Wakanda. Yeah, exactly. Bubble. It's like someone's nan talking about it. When all of the things were running at that big bubble in, <laughs> in Wakanda. In Wakanda. <laughs> Can you imagine the Mancunian voiceover of Infinity War? Oh, the look, deleted at, scenes. look how quick they're running then. <laughs> Oh, they're going under it. <laughs> they're like those. Yeah, that's how they were coming. Yeah. Atlanta come at you like that. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what thing is funny as well? You can well, tell it's late. The thing that's so funny, so funny is like, you got like Paul Gomez yeah. and Joseph Milicic. Imagine the thought of them as flatmates, like the sitcom of them as flatmates were like, the ceiling's really low. Paul Gomez goes and does the flat hunt. And it's like really small. And Joe Milicic turns like, why are we living here? He's like, he's like six, what is he, like six, four? A lot taller than I. And Pau Gomez is what? Like, he's a short dude. Yeah. Like, in terms of... And it's just this amazing More comment because... It's like you and me. But they're... <laughs> <laughs> Not that dramatic a difference. <laughs> but the, um, the beauty of the play of Atalanta, as I've mentioned this before, but Pep Guardiola famously said, watch Messi. Like, if you get a chance to watch Messi, watch Messi. And I think it's now, this season, watch Atalanta. Mm. Because something fun always happens whoever yeah. the opposition. We had a question from Cam on Twitter saying, bearing in mind the size of Atalanta's wage bill and their so-called team of outcasts, how big an achievement is this Champions League run? I mean, it's amazing. To get in the Champions League, to get through the group stage, to put themselves in Serie A, to finish top four again whilst maintaining this Champions League run. And to retain these players. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to stay I mean, there, we've but- said this before, you know, you see teams like this develop and almost the worst thing they can do is all break up. Yeah. Because maybe one or two will find a similar level of a success elsewhere or move to a bigger club or a more, a club that's consistently going deep in the Champions League. You see it like Frankie Dion, for example, going to, going to Barca. 
even though I think maybe selfishly we would have liked him and Delic to stay another year in Ajax. Yeah. Because I think they would have been the difference between going through in the groups or not this year. But what Gasparini's done at Atalanta is so collective focused, which sounds like a bit of a cop out of not really saying much, but it really, really is. It's not really based on individualism. And I think a lot of the time, if you take some of those guys out and just stick them somewhere else, unless they go to teams with really specific fits. They remind me of actually, Deport- they remind me of Deportivo under Iroretta. Yeah. Where Deportivo had, I suppose Ilicic reminds me of Valeron. Oh yeah, good You shout. know, this beautiful player who was just like, the system was so strong around him and he was just kind of like, Enzo Francescoli, this kind of wandering free spirit who had this incredible brain, but was also incredibly consistent. And you could swap in and out almost any other, I mean, Valeron was the key to that team, mm-hmm. but almost any other player could swap in and out. And there was someone of equal quality coming off the bench. But one thing I want to say to Valencia as well, shout out to them because they got beaten 4-1. Got an away goal In a weird kind of way, what I love about Valencia is they let teams play. They play their game and other teams play theirs. And Danny Parejo, one of my favourite players, who seems to have been around for like 30 years. Oh, I'd love to go for lunch with Danny Parejo. It's so interesting. I think it'd be great. Maybe we can try and do it. After our um, shout out from the Spanish Football Podcast this week, maybe we can do it as a, as a joint project. The Spanish Football Podcast and we Stadio should. do lunch with Danny Parejo. And I shouldn't laugh about the Danny Parejo thing, but because I did, I did get the joy of seeing him once, but the memory I have of my buying memory is like when three of them tried to press Iniesta. <laughs> and he was like, what the hell? And the two defenders ran off the pitch and you see Parejo shake his hands and he goes, Iniesta disappears with the ball and he's just going like, what are you told, doing? I told you this would happen. It's like LeBron to J.R. Smith. <laughs> yeah. He's that way. He's there, he's there. But that second leg will not be a walkover for Atalanta because I was lucky enough to go to a second leg in European competition at Mastai last season when I went to the Arsenal it, yeah. game and that place is serious loud <laughs> loud i envy them very very loud so i think what well, what happened with the arsenal game last season was that if you know if obviously they can es- they can escape that first 20 minutes or right. so they might cruise through but yeah i mean if Valencia get an early goal or two which you can see at mustaya man when things when things roll at mustaya they roll you know but thanks to everyone who sent in questions, we had a few about stuff that wasn't specifically around the Champions League, so we're going to save them. If you get a chance to, give us another nudge on Monday. There were a couple about Barca, yeah. which we should probably talk about we with should. their social media influencing. Goodness me. Um, but we're going to get out of it because we're recording this straight after the games on Wednesday. And, and I've got to miss my last tram. Moose has got to go and get the tram. Yeah. And he's probably going to get some more food. <laughs> you know me too well. Stay on brand. Don't forget, you can check us on Twitter at Stadio. You can check us on Instagram at Stadio Football. The website is stadio.football. And we're playing out with Where's Jason's K by Cyclops. We haven't played out on a banger for a while. We haven't, no. No, no. Anyway, we're playing that. We're going to be back on Monday. See you then. Bye.
We'll be right back. 